know, people have been working from home now for 18 months, depending on what's where you are in the world and what, what situation is going on, but somewhere in the range of about 18 months. And that, if you can do that well, and you're doing, you know, there's a lot of things that are stressful, but come to that. But if you can do that well for about 18 months and productivity has gone up, all the measures of company effectiveness for the companies that have survived yeah. COVID because they were able to get people to start moving out of the office, those companies have done well, which means you can't really argue that you have to go back to the office to get work done. You've proven for the last year and a half that you could do all this well from home. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Well, after the pandemic, I think it's become much more evident how the struggle for these new approaches to, to understand these new approaches to work, whether it is hybrid workforce or hybrid workplace, distributed teams, remote work, gig workers, it's a lot of terminology, a lot of things. And all of that, of course, was, I think, amplified by the fact that so many people were working from home during and, of course, post-pandemic. So this conversation is extremely relevant and, and important in thinking about the design of work and the workplace going forward. So we are going to have a fantastic conversation about all these terminologies, about distributed teams, remote work, geek workers, with somebody who has been working in this space for quite a while in the technology sector, in the nonprofit sector, in the multinational sector, in government as well, as part of a President Obama a White House team on digital service. And not only that, John also wrote a book that is called Distributed Teams, The Art and Practice of Working Together While Physically Apart in 2018 and the second edition now in 2021. So John, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good morning and I'm doing great and thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited about this conversation and yeah. I want to begin by asking you this. You wrote your book, Distributed Teams, before the pandemic. I, I don't know if you knew anything about the, that the pandemic was going to happen, but no. what changed since 2018 and what you are observing in the world of work today in 2021? What's different? Um, you mean what's different between the two editions of the book or what's different? Uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of your ideas about distributed teams, in terms about the challenges that you've seen uh, mm -hmm. you know, coming up as more companies try to implement or think about distributed workforce and remote work and whatnot? Sure. Um, uh, so a couple of things have actually stayed the same. So I should probably start with some of those. So people have been working well while physically apart in some companies for years before yeah. COVID, nothing to do with COVID. Um, and now it's gone from being like the edge niche case over here, only some people do it. Now it's everyone was forced to do it. Yeah. So that's one big change. It's, it's kind of crossed the chasm if you want to use that kind of management speak. Um, it's now a mainstream thing. Um, that's one. Two is it's gone past the you know, people have been working from home now for 18 months, depending on what's where you are in the world and what, what situation is going on, but somewhere in the range of about 18 months. And that, 
if you can do that well, and you're doing, you know, there's a lot of things that are stressful, but come to that. But if you can do that well for about 18 months and productivity's gone up, all the measures of company effectiveness for the companies that have survived COVID because they were able to get people to start moving out of the office, those companies have done well, which means you can't really argue that you have to go back to the office to get work done. You've proven for the last year and a half that you could do all this well from home. Yeah. So that's shifted a lot of the conversations and that's probably the biggest change. Um, I think the other things that come up for me at least are um, when when people talk about working from home, they if this now in the last year and a half or so has been your first exposure to working from home for the you know prolonged periods of time, um, people can incorrectly assume that working from home is the same as working from home during a global pandemic, during yeah. economic turmoil, during political turmoil, during social unrest. Like these are all major, major stressors in people's lives that have nothing to do with where you sit when you work. Yeah. And it's easy to think that, oh, working from home always means dealing with homeschooling and pandemics and people getting sick and social unrest and political. No, like these things are, these things would be harder to deal with if you also had to go to an office. Yeah. You've, and so trying to keep people clear on working from home normally and pandemic working from home. And I'm using the term working from home here because it's pretty common, yes. but I've, you hinted at it. I've got strong opinions about the words that people use. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, this, this past 18 months mm. were unique. Uh, because it's not just like you said before it's not just working from home it is working from home uh while the world is on fire you know with so many different right. things and actually <laughs> yes sometimes literally sometimes yeah. yeah yeah so so it 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 deserves a special place for attention and for consideration when you think about all that workers were able to do over the past 18 months even when they themselves individually personally you know in their families were going through so much pain mm -hmm. but let me ask you this john hmm. we even through all that fire and pain employees were able to keep productivity high mm -hmm. they uh, you know they kept their companies those that survived working and making even more money than ever in their history before you know companies like target amazon tesla you know very very productive right why is it that there's now this uh, you know uh, sort of um, idea of going back to the way things were before you know like this this magnet to the old ways of doing things why 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 what's going on there <laughs> sure um i think uh, so i want to be clear on to for some jobs i mean you actually need to be in a specific location yeah. and we talk about um you know a pretty common phrase nowadays is essential service worker which usually translates to meaning somebody who actually gets food delivered to supermarkets or who makes food in restaurants you know that that's one category of work that has to be done on site yeah. but there are other essential service workers if you want to call them that there are other people who have location specific work that are brain surgeons you got to be there the person yeah. who operates the state driving license printing machine has to go to the printing machine they can't take it home yeah. right? so there's jobs that you have to do in specific locations so location specific work will have to continue like that that's yeah. so what 
I want to note that and put it to the side. So what I'm talking about here is location independent work. So work that has historically been done in an office because you used to go into the office because that's the way it always was. But actually, what do you do when you get into the office? You sit at a computer, you sit at a desk, you type at a computer, you make phone calls and you go to meetings with other people who may or may not be in the same building. That you can do anywhere you have a good internet connection, right? And so that location-independent work is where it's changed. And that's actually, you know, some of the metrics I saw was like 70% of American workforce is information workers now. And they've been able to suddenly switch to working at home because they had to. And all the co-working spaces got closed down. So it is possible. We've seen it as possible. Now, the catch is nobody's enjoying a pandemic. No one's enjoying the political turmoil and all the other things we talked about. So what people really want when they talk about wanting to go back to the office is they want to go back to the human contact yeah. with their coworkers. Humans are a social species. We actually like other humans and want to spend time with... We don't like isolation. We don't handle isolation well. And spending time with other humans, well, before COVID, who did you spend most of your waking day with? It's actually not your family. It's your yeah. coworkers. Yeah. You spend time sleeping with your family, but then you get up in the morning, you leave to go to work, and you come home from work, maybe you have dinner, and then you watch TV, and then you go to bed. You actually spend more waking time with coworkers than family. So to suddenly lose all that family contact, sorry, all that coworker contact during a high stress, and also lose the structure of your day, where your commute meant this, and then your commute home was this, and all of those things are gone. And that's what people want to get back to. They want that human contact. It's not about people saying that they are looking forward to creating a two-hour driving commute for themselves every day. That's not what they want. I don't think so. (laughs) Um, But how do you create that human contact without having to go back to an office? And the other part I'll just say before I stop is that people, when they think about going back to an office, they imagine going back to the office that they left a year and a half ago. New post-COVID life in an office will have a whole different interior floor plan layout, different spacing. There's a whole bunch of work being figured out about spacing in elevators, air conditioning, central areas, airflow systems, like what do you do with those? How many people are allowed in a meeting room? So the actual office that you will be going back to is going to be radically different to the office you left a year and a half ago. Yeah. So the, to me, the focus, when I hear people say, oh, I want to get back to the office, is there a way you can make social contact with your yeah. coworkers without actually going to the office? Yeah. How about you all meet for lunch in a neighborhood place and have a work, have a work meeting over lunch without going to the physical office at all? Yeah. Yeah, it seems, it seems to me, and, and, you know, research is already sort of popping up everywhere about this, that... You know, on the one hand, this need for human connection, it's it's evident. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, the claim for flexibility for people <clears throat> to decide what makes sense for their work instead of having to come to an office, you know, X amount of time per week, yeah. uh, you know, that flexibility is important. And I, uh, you know, I've had discussions with HR leaders and telling them, you know, when they tell me like, oh, we want our people to come three days to, to the office. And my question is, why? Yeah. If, you, if you have a strong why, and you can explain transparently why you want your people to come to the office three days a week, 
And if you have a case for that, all right. I mean, maybe people don't like it, but they don't, they would understand the case behind mm -hmm. it. But it's just because you think that they need to be in the office. That's not enough anymore. And that's why now we see this increased number of people not only quitting their jobs, but also thinking about quitting if they are forced to come back to an office. Um, so sure. so we got a we got a pretty complicated scenario here. But let me ask you this one, John. Um, yeah. I think one of the most complicated questions, especially for HR leaders going forward, will be. How do I even architect a culture where we succeed as a company knowing that some people will be working from home always, some others will come to the office three days a week and the rest will be working from home and some others want to be full-time in the office. So how do, I, how do we even make sense of the complexity that all these models will generate or are already generating? Are generating already, yeah. yeah. Um, I would... I would start by being careful with the words you use, and I'd also start by thinking through the logistics. So if you say, oh, we require a third of the office to be in the building at any time, no more than a third. Okay, so let's say you have a thousand people, so 333 people have to come in on a, or come in one day, but no more. 666 have to work from home. Now you suddenly have someone's job is to track that. Yeah. So like that's a project and it's an ongoing daily project and people who are like, oh, I can't come in on Monday like I usually do on come in on Tuesday. Right. So that's problem one. Problem two is and it's the risk when people talk about hybrid, like hybrid sounds good. I mean, people like hybrid cars. Seems like a good idea. It's the best compromise between everyone in the office and everyone always at home. So let's do something in the middle. The problem is hybrid is actually the hardest, most advanced management case I know because you're trying to manage people who are in front of you yeah. on parity with people who are not in front of you. Yeah. And that's hard. That's even harder than managing people that are distributed, which is yeah. itself harder than managing people that are all sitting in front of you. Yes. So if you tr claim to do hybrid because it's a nice compromise and everyone thinks that comp that's a good, it's a nice word, so great. And now you start saying, well, I'm the boss. I'm going to go into the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Pretty soon, everyone who works for our, for you who wants a promotion is going to start going in on the days you go in. Yeah. And then the people who can't go in on that day will start becoming second-class citizens. So you yes. have the Tuesday, Thursday group that go in with the boss, and then you have the Monday, Wednesday, Friday group who never get seen by the boss, and they're out of sight, out of mind, and suddenly you get this disparity. And now you've got a real toxic workforce situation. Yeah. And, that you, and you self-imposed it. And so the, the best you can do if you want, if you have location-dependent work, that's cool. Do that. For location-independent work, it's not hybrid. It's office-optional. Yeah. And by office-optional, it means you can come in if there's an event and you want to bring people in for a team gathering, a brainstorming thing about something, and then you all go away. But you don't, you force everyone to think that they're all distributed. You might happen to come to the office intermittently, office optional but you're a distributed team yeah and then everyone is peer and then you don't get this first class second class problem then you can do this for the long term yeah you know i, I think you are hitting the one of the biggest management and leadership challenges um on the head with that uh you know a uh, comment because uh mm. you know very often we've, we've seen uh, you know, leaders and leadership models based on, you know, everybody mm. operating in the same physical space. And 
you know, as a leader that now, uh, you know, is required to lead a team where people are everywhere, uh, it's going to be difficult. And, cult, you know, culturally from, from an organizational perspective, now you have the challenge of this that you talked about, you know, the first class citizens who are the ones seen by the boss and maybe getting access to the special projects, promotions, yep, 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 you yep. Know, things of the kind, vis-a-vis -vis those that know that, you know, they may not get access to that. So this is going to, you know, create a, an interesting challenge for leaders going forward. Right. And if people feel like they're not being respected yeah, and, or feel like they're being sidelined, if they're becoming a second class citizen yeah, and if they feel they can get jobs somewhere else, they will. Yeah. And, you know, the whole great resignation yeah. meme that's bouncing around the Internet. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Like, this you know, data from the Wall Street Journal just last week is the highest amount of people resigning and changing jobs that they've tracked in I, I forget how many years but it's yeah. I think a decade or more a long time yeah yeah and, um, and the thing is that a lot of these challenges about transparency in the workplace all of those challenges existed before the pandemic I mean it's not yeah. it's not something new it's just that they are amplified now by by a whole different set of circumstances that you know are creating even more of uh, you know that sort of disengagement that we we had seen before the pandemic where people are like wait a second you know i'm not getting the opportunities to grow in here i'm not getting the opportunities for promotion and whatnot and now even less so because the boss is around you know a select group of people and i i don't come to the office because you know i have to like homeschool my children for example right. and i don't right. have an option to right. go to the office yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and you said and you also hit something there. This has been going on for a long time. Yeah. And like I've I've worked in companies with very fancy very fancy campus headquarters, um, you know, very pretty buildings and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and people would be like in a different building and they won't come to the meeting because it's raining. <laughs> so they'll dial in to the meeting. Yeah. Right? And it you know, you can see their desk from your window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it means five minutes walk in the rain through a pretty campus, you know. So yeah. these kind of things were considered the kind of unspoken normal behaviors in yeah. a, in an office environment, or you you get to see and recognize social interactions by bumping yeah. into people on corridors, yeah. and then you have an office remodel and you get moved to a different floor with a different layout. Yeah. And then you can't find the people you talk to. Yeah. Because yeah. you have different paths. Yeah. Um, I know people, one person who took up smoking because they could hang out with different people across wow. the company in the smoking break area. My gosh. <laughs> right. And so these are these are people trying to find ways to make human contact on campus, yeah. but it's showing broken existing yeah. environments. Yeah. And that's in an office that kills companies and yeah. you need to fix the leadership problem is to fix that and then you can be distributed. Yeah, absolutely. John, as we get closer to wrapping up sure. our chat, uh, I yeah. want to ask you one more question. Sure. This is a very complex scenario for mm -hmm. any company, for business and HR leaders. If there, I know I don't want to oversimplify, but if there was one thing that you would tell business and HR leaders, keep this one thing in mind as you are uh, designing your workplace, your culture, your leadership style, in this new world of either hybrid, distributed, remote, whatever it is, mm. what would mm. that thing be? This is not a technology problem. Mm. This mm. is a leadership problem. Yeah. 
Um, the technology's been working fine. I've been working this way since before Skype. So, you know, <laughs> just to put schedule. Um, so it's possible to do and do well for with existing technology. The problem is how do you lead? How do you know what people are doing? How do you build trust? How do you foster team culture? How do you onboard? How do you deal with firings? How do you deal with layoffs? These are human leadership management problems. These are not technology problems. And if you be very clear on that, and then the carrot I'll give you as an add-on is you can solve some really, really hard workforce diversity and hiring problems and long-term disaster planning problems if you get this first thing right. Yeah. yeah. But it's a leadership problem. Yeah. yeah. If, you do, if you do it right, you're going to be opening a lot of great big doors that can truly help the organization. You just have to do it right. So sure. um, awesome, John. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me sharing your insights about a very complex uh, and you know issue that so many companies are dealing with right now. So thank you so much for spending this time with me. You are totally welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks thank you. Me. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.